Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside new Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our week four edition of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's the Burger Boys. Coming up on today's show, we'll look back on Saturday's 41-20 setback at Oregon. BYU's first loss of the season. Cougs dropped to 19th and 23rd in the two major polls as BYU now prepares to open a two-game homestand with Wyoming at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday night. Today we're visiting with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. And we start today's show with BYU's assistant head coach, safeties coach, and special teams coach. Ed Lamb. Coach Lamb, good to see you back here with us once again. Thanks, Greg. Good to be here. All right. Um, maybe we'll go in with uh, expectation versus outcome, perhaps. What did you think you knew about yourselves and Oregon that manifested itself? And what maybe were you, um, in hindsight, going, well, we had this or that little off? Well, the, the thing that was off was uh, our, I think our guys in, in that moment um, tried to play a little too hard at the expense of not being disciplined enough. Uh, that's certainly the case on, on defense and special teams. We, uh, I thought our guys played incredibly hard. I didn't think that live in the game. I thought during the game that maybe we were a little flat. I was mm. worried about the, the fact that it was uh, an earlier time than we're used to practicing and playing in. And uh, with you know the travel and the stadium and the fact that they jumped on us early, I thought a lot of that might have led us to playing flat. When I watched the video, I, I thought otherwise. We were uh, we played incredibly hard on defense, but uh, undisciplined. And a lot of the undiscipline was, um, you know, I think guys in the moment um, trying a little too hard, over pursuing, uh, launching, uh, in, instead of tackling with our feet under us, we were launching. And same with getting off blocks. It just wasn't fundamentally sound. Because tackling was actually, I thought, one of the strong suits of games one and two uh, for BYU. Would you agree with that going in? Very much, yeah. Yeah, I thought, uh, I thought the environment, the situation um, was, was too big for us. And as coaches, we've got a part in that too. We did not prepare the team for that moment. And, and by the moment, I mean everything that Oregon does represent and has represented and, and playing at Autzen, there's, there's a lot there. But there's also a lot to being in, in the top uh, 12 in the country this mm -hmm. early in the season. And were we ready for that moment? And clearly we were not. You mentioned discipline, and people want to automatically equate that with penalties, and, and penalties were certainly a part of that. I thought in the first half, when it was still a game that you needed to stay in, there were some errors there that you wouldn't have expected. That's right, there were. Yeah, we had, we had assignment errors. We had guys trying to do too much. We talk a lot on defense about being a 111th player, taking care of your 111th to 100% of your capabilities and trusting the guys around you. Over-pursuit is not something that had showed up, and I uh, felt like we were you know, either um, too concerned about our, the perceived speed of Oregon and took bad pursuit angles, or, you know, not giving our teammates enough trust and not taking the proper pursuit angles. How much was perceived speed and how much was exceptional speed from what you saw from Oregon? Um, well, it's, it's, they have exceptional speed, but, um, you know, our guys are fast too, and, and I don't think we gave ourselves enough credit coming into the game. I, I thought we tried to play out of our mind instead of trusting mm. ourselves and, the, and our teammates around us. It's a lesson learned. To the environment itself, uh, multiple coaches on the staff have coached games in that stadium before, and you don't win 20 straight home games or 29 straight non-conference home games by accident. Clearly, there's a lot going on beyond what's on the field. Um, what do you do or can you do to prepare a team mentally or otherwise uh, atmospherically for that kind of environment? I think it's the experience of being in that environment. I mean, the, the, when I talk about the whole context of, of the challenges last week of being highly rated, of coming off a national uh, caliber victory, and then going back to back and to an opponent's home, uh, a great storied opponent, opponent in a great storied atmosphere, 
we don't have a lot of that experience to talk of. We've got a we've got an experienced team. We've got a mature team. Uh, as coaches, we needed to have them ready, that, more ready than they were for that moment. But that that was the failure. You were down uh, arguably four starters, you could say, going into the game. It's early in the season still, but we already know about the Puka Gunner thing. It's been well documented. Uh, no Tyler Batty, no Earl Tuyo T. Mariner. So, so two defensive linemen and good defensive linemen. Uh, Keenan came out uh, during the game. Caleb Hayes was lost early in the game. Just from a personnel standpoint, to still be this early in the year and be kind of dealing with stuff you'd like not to this early, how did that maybe factor into what you were able to do or not do on, on Saturday? Well, I think it, uh, I don't think it has anything to do with, with what we did, you know, what we called and what we designed. Um, our, our, our next players are good. You know, over the, over the years, there's always the talk about how you're going to replace this guy and that guy. And, and it happens at the end of the season and it happens during games. And guys step up. And I think guys did step up. Um, but they, you know, but again, overall, the team flavor of the night was, uh, was too much effort in mm. the wrong direction. First drive of the game belonged to BYU as Oregon won the toss and deferred. And it was a tone setter. There was a big play to open. You're, you're immediately almost in scoring territory off the play to chase. And then it's an early turnover on downs. Was there no doubt at all in that first possession that if you got into what you felt was uh, makeable, that you'd go for it and try and try and uh, get the first down on that fourth? I think it was six, fourth and six maybe on that first drive. Yeah, those decisions are made uh, by us um, early in the week. Not on game day, so we're looking for an exact field position. We already have that down in writing. We're looking at a, a, uh, an exchange of expected points averages in those situations. So, you know, for for every every third down situation, every fourth down situation, there's a natu national average of what a team might expect to get, and and it's not just uh, succeeding or failing in that moment, but it's the odds of the other team coming down and scoring. And I think that's where we also failed is we not only didn't you know we, we failed to get the fourth down, but uh, we failed to, to, to get a stop, and so that made it the wrong decision. Yeah, BYU, as it turned out on the day, was 0 for 4 on fourth downs, but that was the real, uh, the one that had a real competitive, uh, uh, maybe, um, impact because the other came, I think, down 31-7, down 38-7, and then on the final drive of the game. Um, and you're right, right after that, Oregon scores, they score again. You're down 10 nothing. So it's the first time this year also, talk about some novelty, you hadn't been scored on first, you hadn't been down double digits at any point, and that happened early in this game as well. Yeah. And for a, a group of guys, again, you know, particularly on defense, but for a group of guys that were already trying to play out of their mind, which is not the approach that we preach, not the approach that works, um, you know, to be down 10 nothing and hear that stadium come to life like that, it was, it was a double trouble for us. You're still right there. Uh, on the Isaac Rex touchdown, um, you're, you're down 10-7. Maybe a bit of a turning point. You're, you're trailing 17-7, to 7, and now it's got the feel like, oh, this could be shootout territory. This, you might have to score every time you touch the ball. 11-play drive, you need points, and, and a field goal miss from 38 yards. Um, Oregon then takes the ball, they score again, and boom, it's 24-7. Again, it's just three points in a game they scored 41. But did you get that sense that we kind of got us this, – this might be a shootout if we play our cards right here. we got to score. Yeah, I think in that moment it was all about, okay, what adjustments can we make on defense? How can we calm our guys down? Um, and then, you know, how can we keep ourselves in the game? The week before, it was, it was the offense asking those same questions. Okay, how can we hang around in the game? Seems that defense is playing well. It might mm -hmm. be a low-scoring game. How can we get the final possession? In this game, the, our thoughts were exactly the opposite. Suddenly, okay, how do, we, how do we make sure that we can win the last possession and maybe keep pace in this game? But that, that wasn't to, to pass either, and the, and the missed field goal was, uh, you know, that was, that was a major turning point for us, I thought. 
um, you know, good snap, good hold, and well struck, I mean, with power and confidence, but it, it didn't go in. And so we've got a string of those going now that we have to address. Yeah, so he's now missed three. And we were very eager to see him get another chance, obviously, right after last week. And, and the misses are all under 40 yards, and it's a left hash, a middle, and a right hash right now. So we're trying to find a, a we're trying to find an answer here. What do, you, what do you see and what do you hear from Jake as you look at what's been happening the last couple of games? Uh, he's anxious to uh, anxious to get the next kick. I mean, that's the common denominator. But uh, you know, at the same time, we've, we've got to continue to evaluate uh, is 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 that the right thing for the team at this point, and um, is he? You know, he has to continue to earn to be the number one guy, and he's got to make those field goals. It's a, it's you know, this is a bottom line business for everybody on the team, and so we've got to reopen the competition and, and bring out the best in Jake and the other guys. So relative to a place kicker competition that happens during the week, it happens every week too. You've always mentioned that. Yes. You say every week you're earning your job, right? Uh, Justin Smith, Cash Peterman are the other two kickers that I think would be in the mix, right? That's right, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think what we'll see what we've largely saw. Um, you know, those other guys can be accurate. They can definitely make field goals. Uh, Jake is going to have the most pop, the biggest leg, the, the best operation time. Like, he's had that most consistently. So we'll, we'll probably see that same type of thing. It's just that we need, we need delivery in that situation. Are the misses actually coincidental with the fact that he's actually feeling good? Like, physically, is he, is he where he needs to be, do you think? Because that's yes. been kind of hit and miss over time, right? Yeah, he's very much where he needs to be, and uh, I think I think I think mentally he's strong. You know, I, at least everything that I gather. I'm not an expert in that field, but uh, we've we've felt really good about seeing what has um, transferred in practice and and, and ex the expectation that we have in the game. And you know, even even NFL kickers can miss one kick, so we we don't want to overreact to situations. Mm -hmm. This is three kicks in a row. Each new missed kick is a new situation, and so this one's a little different than last week. Now, in, in, you always preach you're never going to want to let a moment linger in a game, but did you sense there was a bit of a deflation when you miss a chance to score there in that moment? Or was it on to the next sequence and series? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and that's not – we don't want to put too much on any one play, but we do it all the time when, when we make the field goal, when we make the touchdown, when we get the stop. I mean, it, the, the moment – college football is a game of momentum. These are young guys still trying to learn how to be professionals, and uh, we, we lost momentum there. Several times we lost momentum early in the game with the, the four down uh, turnover that mm -hmm. we had on offense. We lost momentum when we gave up the score on defense. We lost momentum in, uh, in the missed field goal, and all of those were very costly. All right, it is break time. And as we step away, we remind you that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night and every Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the BYU TV app, the BYU radio app as well for audio. We're over in Studio C with a live studio audience. You can go to my uh, Twitter feed. You'll see the seat request link. You can request tomorrow night's show or any show on that link, and we'll see you in Studio C tomorrow night. Coming up after this brief break, how BYU tried to get back in the game in Eugene, and we'll get uh, special teams and offensive players of the week for BYU. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more from Ed Lamb after this. Jaron Hall shotgun. Chris Brooks to his left hip. They're going to motion Miles Davis into the backfield. Fake a swing to the left, throws seam middle. Rex makes the catch, 10-5, touchdown! Touchdown! Isaac Rex and the Cougars are on the board. Seven seconds into quarter number two. What a nice-looking play. Isaac Rex running free down the middle.
Right, uh, BYU falling uh, for the first time this season this past Saturday in Eugene, Oregon, 40 to 41 to 20, the final score. BYU now one and four at Austin all time. Uh, next up, BYU in Wyoming. It'll be this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Cougars visiting Provo uh, for the first time since BYU left the Mountain West Conference. Uh, coordinator's Corner continues now with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. Uh, we left off discussing uh, the place-kicking situation. Uh, Jeff Oldroyd, uh, Jake Oldroyd right now missing a few in a row. Punter Ryan Rico. Uh, punted twice, a uh, 39 and a half yard average on Saturday. You can never always look at straight numbers because situation will dictate, you know, how many yards you've got to punt. Um, but on the season, he's under a 40 yard average on eight punts. Where is uh, where is Ryan and the punt game right now overall? Yeah, not good enough for him. He's got a small sample size, so we haven't punted a lot in the games. Interestingly enough, a game like that that was out of hand, I think it was the four, uh, you know, fourth fourth down that we went for was part of it, but. I think he only punted twice. That's right. Yeah. But uh, both punts were, were substandard, and it, I think his uh, drop right now is a little bit aggressive. He just needs to get back to being efficient. Yeah, sometimes you're looking at short field situations, so it takes off the number. But do you think he has the same explosion off the foot consistently that we've seen in the past from him? Because it was pretty noticeable in years past. Yeah, consistently in, in practice right now and hopefully uh, very quickly in games. But no, not, he hasn't shown that in games. We've been pretty average in the, in the punt to distance right now. You mentioned, I think it was before our first show of the season, before the first game of the season, that you, we might see something different in the punt game. You, you kind of said, well, you'll kind of see it when you see it. Should we have picked up on anything at this point? Uh, no, we haven't had the, 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 really the opportunity okay. to do some of those uh, vastly different things. But, okay. Yeah, I wondered if I was missing something, and I guess I haven't yet. Okay. Um, Bob Snyberg was back for you and, and was uh, available to return, and he'll be back in the mix for you, it sounds like. That's right. Yeah, Hobbs did a really nice job. He was, I had him as our special teams player of the game. We, the kickoff return team had a nice readiness and was able to get the ball out past the 25 on a couple of their kicks. It's always, always nice to start in good field position there, and I thought Hobbs did a nice job of fielding the punts as well. Okay, back into the game. BYU trailed uh, 24-7 at halftime, and, and they control what we call the middle eight. Uh, they got the final possession, first meaningful possession, or final meaningful possession of the first half. So the final four minutes of the first half, first four in the second half, called the middle eight, and they scored two touchdowns without BYU possessing the football really in that time. That's right. That was such a costly exchange there in the, in the, in the middle eight. We, uh, we work hard to try to get that last possession, and, and then you know, we, we didn't win the coin toss, and so we, you know, we got to get a stop there. Right. They started out on offense in the, in the second half, and we were already in a hole at that point, so just just made the hole deeper. Went from a 24-7 at halftime to 38-7 in the third quarter, and uh, head coach Dan Lanning, he pulled Bo Nix, who was having a great game, obviously. He pulled him, I'll say, relatively early, um, about four or five minutes, I think, left to go in the 30s out of the game. You're worried about your own team, but you noticed that tactically. Were you a little surprised that Bo Nix was taken out of the game at that point? Uh, no, not really. I, I thought the game was going to have to significantly go in our favor, and it did there for a couple of minutes. We started to claw our way back in and had a two-point conversion that could have brought it to two scores. And so at that point, they did bring both right. back in and, and uh, you know, credit our guys for fighting. I thought we made some adjustments on uh, defense and on offense and just started to, to hang in there and, and try to play for whatever the game was worth at that point. But, uh, yeah, in, in the end, it, uh, it brought him back in and reestablished the lead. Yeah, which made me think that even they thought, well, we might have been a little too hasty in doing that because things, you know, the tone did change. Had it not been a 38-7 game at the start of the tone changing, maybe it's different. But either way, BYU did kind of feel like, okay, well, we could make it a two-score game here. Yeah, and I'll credit our players the most with that. We played much better defense there as the, as the second half went along. And, and, you know, defensively, I just know that they settled in and they, they stopped trying to do too much. They, they, the overemphasis on, on speed and pursuit angle 
angles and launching for these amazing plays. That was gone. The guys kind of just settled in and played better football, but um, you know, just too little, too late. I haven't gone back and looked at it, and, and I'm trying to remember what my, what my impressions were in the moment, but the first play that uh, Ty Thompson, the backup quarterback, throws, I think is the, is the lateral uh, that's dropped and was loose. Did you think, was there enough pursuit there? Do you remember them, uh, BYU's players, being on it right away, or do you remember going back and looking at that play or feeling it in the moment? Uh, you know, I thought there was, was a, a good reaction. hesitation uh, after the ball came loose. The okay. initial reaction to the play was fantastic. We had multiple guys in the area, and I think that's one of the reasons the throw was a little off and the catch was a little bit uh, short-armed. But, uh, but I thought we could have recognized more quickly that it was a backward pass and maybe gained possession in that situation. If not scoop and score, who knows? Exactly. Yeah, all right. Uh, so anyway, BYU did have a chance to make it a two-score game. Uh, the two-point conversion didn't work. Um, there were some good things that happened for BYU, particularly on offense. No giveaways, which will keep you in the game usually, and a good third down number. Uh, yeah, fourth down left a little bit desired, but a good third down number. It really kind of came down to defensively, just not able to get the stops you needed when Oregon was kind of doing what it wanted, kind of at will in the first half especially. That's right. Yeah, the game had just got out of hand uh, too too quickly to, to the point where we couldn't afford any kind of a setback, you know, in order to claw our way back in. And, and I thought we started to fight, you know, the punch for punch there for a portion of the game, but that, that wasn't going to be good enough at that point. How was defending Baylor different elementally from defending Oregon, do you think? Because you were so good one week and then struggled the next. Well, I credit Oregon. Oregon uh, changed their identity uh, in a massive way uh, coming into the game with us. And they may have done it right after the Georgia game and just not showed it, not put it on video. Because of FCS in week Eastern two. Eastern Washington yeah. game, yeah, they're a pretty big uh, mismatch there. But um, yeah, they, they went to a, a pistol or tall backfield, uh, downhill running game, vertical running game that uh, they had not shown really at all in, uh, in the Georgia game or the Eastern Washington game. So. You know, credit them with an initial adjustment there, and, and that uh, I think helped, um, in addition to all other things, help them get some momentum early and, and find something. But, uh, you know, in the end, we, you know, that, that's not, they didn't do anything new and revolutionary in football. They mm -hmm. did something new for them, and so we should be able to adjust to that more quickly. Okay, to your position group, uh, safety play, how do you rate the safeties from uh, the weekend? Uh, I thought uh, Malik Moore had has one of his better games as a tackler and uh, made made one very nice open field tackle, which is the, you know, to me the hardest thing to do in football. Uh, we missed a uh, we should have been put some more air under the ball on the deep post pass that got to us, and I think overall at the safety group we could have we could have tackled better with the exception of Malik. We do this show on Mondays, and in a lot of ways, you know, Wyoming's already gotten full focus and full attention. It truly has. You're on to the next game. Um, but if you could harken back to Saturday for a moment relative to how you felt um, the team either came together, uh, what they were saying to each other from you, what you were hearing or what was said to them from locker room to bus to flight to kind of just picking themselves back up and saying that's one game one day. This is a talented team with a lot of pride. Now We, uh, we, we learned a lesson. We, we made mistakes as Coaches, as um, as players, we are embarrassed, but uh, this it would be it would be um, a real mistake for anybody to write off the 2022 Cougars. Okay, let's go to our special teams players of the week from Saturday because there were some actual, uh, exceptional performances from uh, your purview. Uh, special teams players of the game start with the top block, and there were a number of guys to look at here. Yeah, as I mentioned, the, the, the kickoff return team did a, a pretty exceptional job and, and made something when there was not a lot uh, available. But uh, Houston Himuli, Lopini Katoa, Talmadge Gunther, who actually had a return, and then Tanner Wall, they, all those guys did a really nice job blocking, executing. Regardless of the score of the game, they were there and executing really well. 
Before I get to your other special teams players of the game, a quick word. Well, we'll get to them now, and then I'll ask you a follow-up. Uh, you like Ammon Hanneman for top rock, along with Ethan Slade. And you've already hinted at this, that uh, Hobbs Nyberg back in the return game was your MVP for the day. Yeah, Ammon and Ethan did a really nice job on the kickoffs. We didn't have to cover a, a whole bunch of kickoffs. Um, Jake, well, we, didn't, we didn't score a tremendous amount of points, but also Jake put a couple in the end zone, and uh, they forced a couple of fair catches, and then... Uh, and then Hobbs Nyberg did a, did a great job there back as both the uh, kick returner and punt returner. And will your kickoff return approach to modify game to game in terms of what you want returnable kicks or through the end zone? Um, our kickoff return or, or kickoff kickoff itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're looking always for opportunities. That, you know, the idea that you can push a button and get a touchback is you know, kind of a misunderstanding in football. It's it, that it's not that easy. But uh, yeah, we we're looking for opportunities to do that as much as we can. And uh, and sometimes manufacture a fair catch. Jake did that uh, once in the game as well, and that was that was uh, well executed. Before I get to the offensive MVP from A Rod, uh, my follow up was about Houston. A lot of folks, when they saw Houston come over from Stanford, expected him to be like a regular feature in say a, uh, in a backfield as as a fullback. You're using him differently to this point. Are you getting what you want out of Houston right now? That very, way, very much. He's he's just one of our team leaders overall. I can see why he was a captain at Stanford. Um, he doesn't allow his, uh, his role or the things he can't control to influence the way he practices and whatever role he has, he takes it very serious. And he came here and, and Mason Wake's a very established, very good fullback for us too. And so we, you know, we, have, we have two or more. Okay, now let's get to offensive player of the game. And Aaron Roderick identified for us a receiver who had his first uh, career touchdown in this game, and that's Cody Epps. Cody Epps really stepped up. Um, we did a, did a tremendous job. He's, he's another guy that has the respect of the whole team for the way that he practices, the extra effort that he puts in. And uh, when, he, when he had his moment, he made the most of it. And you're four games into the season coming up here, and you've still yet to be able to deploy uh, Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua in the same game. And that you hope that happens sooner than later, obviously, and that's been our hope every week, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I don't know that anyone in the country is full uh, strength uh, any, at any point during the season. And so we, we, we hope for those guys back as soon as possible and healthy and the other guys that are out as well. Okay, we'll take a break now. And as we take this time out, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality, and a lot of it, in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and Harriman this weekend. Yes, it is 19th and 23rd ranked BYU host to Wyoming for the first time since 2010. Listen to Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 o'clock Mountain, this Saturday night. Coming up next, more with BYU Special Teams Coordinator Ed Lamb. As the Coordinator's Corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Shotgun snap to Hall. Pulls it away from Brooks's belly. And he's got a man at the pylon. The catch is made. And is it a touchdown? Touchdown! Cody Epps makes the catch just inside the pylon. And a step inside the end zone. He's forced out of the boundary, but he makes the good grab in bounds. And the Cougars score a touchdown. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU Special Teams Coordinator, Safeties Coach, and Assistant Head Coach, Ed Lamb. BYU now 2-1 after that 41-20 loss at Oregon Saturday. Cougs home to 3-1 Wyoming this Saturday night. Some thoughts on the Wyoming Cowboys, who have a starting quarterback that uh, played against you at Utah State last year in Andrew Peasley. They're such a tough team to beat. They, they really have an identity, and uh, most likely will stick with that as they have for years now. But they run the football really effectively. They've got big, uh, massive offensive linemen. They've got running backs that all run really hard. They play really solid on defense. They're able to keep games close and have a real knack for pulling things out in the fourth quarter. 
They lost their first game and lost it kind of big. Uh, at Illinois, they got worked 38-6. to So you're wondering, well, what's Wyoming going to be like this year? Then they come back and go back-to-back-to-back wins. A double overtime win against Tulsa, 40-37. to They beat an FCS team in Northern Colorado, regional thing. Then they come back uh, to beat Air Force 17-14 a game. They led uh, by a couple scores. Air Force goes up 14-10. Wyoming did a nice job to pull one out on the weekend in Laramie. Uh, the really impressive thing about the way their season is going is, yeah, they, they started out and not looking so hot against Illinois, and they just stuck with their identity. They just continued to improve within their identity, within their playbook, offense, defense, and special teams. And like I said, I've been able to pull out some close games and have a really good record right now. And there, of course, there was the Poinsettia Bowl game from a few years ago, but that's set by other people. This is the first time that BYU and Wyoming meet since there was the break between the Cougars and the Mountain West. And uh, Wyoming was kind of a holdout that way. Uh, some other teams chose to play, but they really hadn't. It would be nice to kind of see the old rivalry renewed again there this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know what it means to our players, you know, now. Yeah, it it's wouldn't mean much, right? Era, but, yeah. right? But, yes, it was, a, it was a rivalry certainly when I played. And I remember the games uh, both there and here. And in, in, in my senior year, we played them for the WAC championship in Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah, the first ever football game I ever called was when Paul James was recovering from his heart surgery back in 1996. It was the WAC championship game in Las Vegas, BYU and, and Wyoming, and that was the first ever play-by-play -play experience I got for BYU football was as a fill-in for PJ that day back in 96. What was your commentary on Joe Tiller's election to take the late safety? Yeah, I remember having, being a big deal at the time. They ran out of the back of the end zone and kept things alive in a way. And then I got to call an overtime game winner, which was unbelievable. Good memories. Um, before we let you go, I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, uh, Kalani's show is coming up tomorrow night. As part of the Kalani Sitake show, we have the weekly uh, deep blue features uh, on people within the BYU athletics program and, and we got to learn more about you and and your family uh, last week and Edward did you get a chance to see it uh, and when did you see it and uh, what did you think about it I did we watched it together as a family and they the deep blue folks did such a great job of it they, they spent a lot of time uh, both with the footage and then setting things up and we were just so happy with the way it came out it's it's tough to open up our personal lives to to the public so was just so pleased and so grateful that it came out that way. Well, uh, much love to you and your family and Edward as your journey continues. But uh, thanks for sharing that part of your life with us. Thank you. All right. And thanks for being here today, Ed. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Coach Ed Lamb. You can get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's Saturday Night Showdown with Wyoming with BYU Sports Nation Game Day. It'll be 8 Eastern this Saturday night. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. You are back in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys, BYU now 2-1 and one and ranked 19th and 23rd in the AP and the coaches' polls after a 41-20 loss at Oregon on Saturday. First loss by 20-plus points for BYU in almost three years. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, Oregon now also uh, now 2-1 and one and ranked in the top 15 in the AP, top 20 in the coaches' poll. Second half of today's broadcast begins now as we welcome in BYU defensive coordinator and defensive tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach, you good to see you once again. All right, uh, so what, do you th what did you think you knew about Oregon's offense after they got uh, blown out by Georgia and then blew out an FCS team in week two? You know, we, it's, it, uh, I think I mentioned it last time, uh, at least to the media, that it's, it's still Georgia, right? Like, I, I mean, it's still Oregon. They're, they've got players. They, they do a really good job recruiting, um, and they've got a good team. And so 
Um, you know, there, there was still question as far as just who they were as an offense, the identity. I thought that they switched things up on us, which I thought was really a really uh, good thing on their part and tough for us. We had to adjust at halftime, but um, you know, they, they've got good players. They, they, they do a really good job. Did a good job getting things on the perimeter. I mean, there weren't any weaknesses as far as their personnel. The O-line is good. Receivers, tight ends, running backs, quarterback. I mean, they're, they're a good offense and good team. You mentioned switching things up, and Coach Lamb alluded to it as well. What were they switching from and to from, say, the first game to the third game? Yeah, the, the identity was a little bit more of a, um, a screens and perimeter run game. Um, they switched and were a little bit more downhill. And so, you know, the, coming into the game, we, we felt like uh, in order to give us a chance to tackle on the perimeters, we wanted to be a little bit more of an odd front team, uh, three down. Um, spread things out, but um, you know they they came in 12 personnel, started running things a little bit more downhill. We're just a little bit different personality. The try, trying to, to adjust and catch up at the time was more of okay, we've got to we've got to uh, get four down. We got to stop the run and be a little bit different in the way that we've done it. And and uh, you know with with the 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 way that you prep and going in with the game plan, it almost almost felt like a, 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 a service academy team. You know, sometimes you play those service academies, it's like, okay, this is how you're gonna stop the option. And you go in and, and your game plan isn't necessarily um, clicking, then you're like, okay, we've spent so much time prepping and getting, getting ready for this. Um, are the adjustments gonna be good enough? Are the players gonna know it? Are we putting too much on them? And I felt like there's a little bit of, of both of it going mm -hmm. on in the game is, are we, are we uh, asking too much of them if we make this change and this change? Um, you know, are the players going to be able to get it? And so, you know, tr trying to catch up at that time, being down by that much, it was really, you know, being aggressive on offense too, right? We needed to, we needed to go for it more um, on fourth downs and, and sometimes ended up giving the ball on our own side, which was just, you know, um, on the defensive side, it makes it look like you're going to lose by a lot. But really, if you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to lose anyways with the, the pace that you're going at, you need to possess, possess the ball and keep going. And so, um, we talked about it as a coaching staff. We're all for the aggression that we needed to try to see if we can get back into the game, or we're going to end up getting you know, losing by a lot more, which is what happened. Well, when you when you end up facing a downhill run team like Oregon, you know, turned out to be, uh, you'd like to be as stout as you possibly can be up front. And you went in down, you could argue down half of a defensive line if you want to, depending on your alignment. Earl and Tyler could be in as two linemen on any given set. So, no Earl Trioti Mariner, no Tyler Batty uh, at Oregon. That didn't help. Didn't help at all. I mean, obviously missing any starters is, is, uh, is going to be difficult. Uh, um, you know, uh, silver lining to it is, is always when you get young guys in there that can play some snaps and give you some, then you, you know whether he's game ready or not. And I thought that some of the, some of the young kids that got in there uh, showed well. Um, but we were still banged up. I thought Gabe Summers was banged up and, you know, uh, Lorenzo Fautel was banged up. And I probably, as a coach, should have uh, uh, drew more on the young guys and put them in more earlier in the game. But it's, uh, you know, hindsight's always 20-20. You look at it and it just, just didn't end up feeling like the right thing to do at the time. But um, in retrospect, probably would have mm -hmm. played a lot of these young guys earlier um, just to see if we can get fresh bodies in there because those other guys were still beat up from the week before. What would you want to say generally about Earl and Tyler's availability moving forward? Yeah, um, it was really kind of week to week. Um, I think they both tried to practice and we, we pulled them. We, we, we basically felt like it was our job to protect them from themselves. I think they would have went in uh, pretty banged up, giving us a couple snaps and then pulled them. And so it was really just about protecting them. And so hopefully the, the time off, resting them, 
um, hopefully that was the right thing to do, and we'll, we'll see uh, this week if they're going to end up being ready to go. Okay. Uh, to the game, uh, neither team had more than 65 plays, um, so it wasn't a crazy fast tempo game, although BYU did use some tempo offensively. Oregon had only four first-half possessions. That paces for eight, and that's a, low, uh, that's a low possession game, but they score on all four possessions, three touchdowns and a field goal. Yep, yep. I mean, when you have, when you have few plays that you play, and you have a score the way that it is, it, it just means you're giving up a lot on, uh, on defense as far as big plays. And that's, that's something that we, we normally pride ourselves in doing. And we gave up too many big plays, gave up too many big runs. Um, you know, TFLs that looked like they were in the bag that ended up bouncing for, for too many yards. And so, um, you know, lo looking back at it, you know, watching the film, talking about it as a coaching staff, like we just need to be better fundamentally. And, you know, at some points when you're going into a big game like this in a tough environment, sometimes it's everybody's trying to win the national championship all in one game and, and maybe overreaching a little bit. We've got to get back to our fundamentals and, and just uh, playing. That's kind of, a the, kind of a theme that Ed hit on uh, Coach Lamb in the first segment was, I think in his words, guys were kind of playing out of their mind. Were you getting the same vibe where you were? It's it's one or the other, and that's that's the thing. Is you go back and you're like, okay, our guys weren't playing hard, and yeah, he, like he thought, not to interrupt you, but he thought yeah. first it was like I felt like we were flat. Then I go back and I go, <laughs> no, it was like an opposite. We, we we talked about that as a staff, and that's probably why it comes up twice. Is yeah. uh, is initially as as a as a coach, and you're sitting on the plane, and you're coming back, you either watch the film on the plane coming back, or or you wait till you get home. But the feeling was. Um, was that, that we weren't prepared, that we didn't play hard. Then you go and watch the film and you see just the banging that's going on and just all the physical play. Then you're like, okay, we, we actually, I mean, we're playing hard. We're just probably playing uh, a little bit too, too hard uh, mentally to get, I mean, everybody's trying to win. Everybody's trying to make plays. Um, you know, when you see somebody leave their feet to make a tackle, it normally, you know, it's, it can be one of two things. It's either he's uh, not confident and a little bit afraid, or he, he thinks he can make a difference in the game by doing it. And, I, and as the more we watched, the more we talked about it, it felt like it was it was more the other way. It felt like uh, guys were trying to do too much uh, to win the game. Guys guys cared about it um, a lot, which which is a good thing. But um, it ended up just uh, you know showing up in a bad way for us on game day. How about the scouting report on Bo Nix, and was he as expected? He had, a, he had a nice game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had never watched him um, when he was at Auburn. I just, just watched him on TV, just, just like a fan. When we watched him um, going into the game, I thought, okay, he he's definitely have the, has the, the capability to run. He's got a quick release. He's got a strong arm, does a really good job. And I thought he was uh, as good as uh, we, we thought he was going to be going into the, going into the game. He ended up uh, running for three and passing for two touchdowns on the day. All right, you mentioned it already, uh, big plays. Um, through the first two games, we talked about this, I think, either on or off the year last week, BYU had allowed three scrimmage plays of 20-plus yards through two games, and Saturday, Oregon had six scrimmage plays of 20-plus yards. The explosives were there for them, and you kind of expect that from an Oregon team, but yet that was also where you were strong to start the season. Right, right, and it's, you know... Um... Uh, you know, it's a part of part of its scheme. Part of it is coaching. Part of it is just like what we we alluded to before about I think guys just really trying to do their best to, to come out of it. And um, you know, and, and also just it's Oregon. I mean, they do a really good job. They've got a good team. They're well coached and they're ready to play. And and uh, you know, that, that's that's the result that you end up getting. And so we've got to be better. I mentioned it right in the lead into your segment. It's been a long time since BYU's lost a game by, by 20 or more points, but in almost three years. This is not a regular occurrence. So there's a maybe, 
I don't know, a tendency to want to overreact, like, well, we got to fix, there's something, but yet by the same token, this is, this is an outlier for you, right, at the same time. It is, it is, and, you know, we're, we're scouring through from top to bottom, um, you know, try, trying to figure out what, uh, the, what we've got to do and what we've got to change and how we've got to get better. And, I mean, from A to Z, we've got to make sure that this, this ends up being a learning experience and that we're back on track and, um, you know, that, that we're back where we need to be on defense. I mean, it's... Um, I think it'd be, it could be a dangerous thing if we look at it and just say, okay, we, this normally doesn't happen to us. That was a good team, but we're going we're gonna to be better. I mean, that's true, and we hope it's true, but there are things to fix. Like, we, we've got to fix some things schematically. We've got to fix some things with just personnel and maybe the way that we sub and maybe the way that we're teaching things and just um, that, there's, that we've got to make sure that we're better. And I think that this will be a great opportunity for us to do that. So never good to lose, never good to lose like this, but you hope it's a good eye-opener then, I guess, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah okay. for sure, for All sure. Right. Visiting with Coach Tuiaki. And break time, as we step aside, we'll remind you to watch after further review. Tomorrow, Tuesdays, 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, breaking down the game like never before. When we come back, more with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. As the coordinator's corner continues, we're brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. More with Coach E coming up right after this. Four down linemen for BYU. The Cougars bring four, drop seven underneath. Oh, it's incomplete. It's picked off. Ben Bywater on the interception. The Cougs have the first takeaway of the game. 25-yard line, and yes, things have just gotten more interesting. All right, we are back on the coordinator's corner visiting with BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki, reviewing BYU's road loss at Oregon and previewing this weekend's home game with Wyoming. Well, uh, if you had to look back on it a couple days later, what were the game plan elements defensively that you thought went sideways quickest in that one? Well, just just uh, <clears throat> feeling a little unprepared about uh, the change that they had in their in their run game where everything was a little bit more downhill. We, we, we thought... Uh, we thought they'd, they'd, they'd be what they've shown, which is, uh, you know, it's really difficult with a new play caller. I mean, he'd come from Florida State where he was with, uh, you know, Norvell, but um, lots of screens, lots of perimeter, perimeter runs, a little bit different. And they, they did a really good job just changing things up. And, 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 you know, that's sometimes you get a defensive head coach that, um, you know, sees the game a little bit differently and demands something different from the offense. The offense needs to do it. And so... Um, I thought that was probably a little bit more of a defensive head coach saying, hey, let's, let's be a little bit more downhill. I want to be physical. I yeah. want to control the game a little bit more. And Shorten it if you can yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Yep. And so um, I thought they did a phenomenal job with that. But they, but they still had elements of the other part, which was, which was uh, tough, to, tough to defend because, you know, you start to get to a little bit more, okay, let's defend the down run, and now they're getting the ball in the perimeter and, and uh, quick screens and just different things. It just uh, makes it a little bit, a little bit harder to defend. But playing with leads of you know 31-7, 38-7, it, it makes it a lot easier for the opposing OC yeah, as well. For, I mean, for sure, for yeah. sure. But uh, you know the, the the tough part was uh, you know we got to a point in the game. I think there was ten, ten, nine or ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, and we needed the ball back and we needed to get some stops. Eight minute drive. Exactly. Yeah. They, they they ran the ball. They ran the ball, and, and and we knew where it was going. But just they were just some uh, elements of just the way that we had uh, uh, changed things at halftime that we couldn't couldn't get back to where we needed to be as far as just getting numbers where they needed to be. And they, they, they put us in a formation that was a little bit harder to defend with the way that we were playing it. So they averaged seven yards a play, five yards a rush. Those are winning numbers. They weren't great on third downs, but then they went three for three uh, on fourth downs in this one. So when they had to keep a drive alive, they were good at it. Yeah, yeah. No, they did a good job um, keeping their third downs manageable and getting themselves to a fourth down where they can go for it and feel confident about getting it. And, you know, it's, it's, 
I don't, I don't think it really matters who you are. It's if you're a quarterback sneak team and you believe in it and you're and you're old lineman block it, it's tough to stop that play just for one yard. And so um, they, they put themselves in position just to convert. And so those those third downs that they didn't get, they, they got on fourth down. And so we still count them as conversions. Mm -hmm. You had uh, one takeaway on the Ben Bywater INT. We saw and heard coming back in. Turned into a late touchdown for BYU, and things did get, again, almost a two-score game for BYU. You had the two-point conversion gone. You've got two takeaways through three games. You want more takeaways. You probably don't. You want more than two. But by the same token, the offense is is uh, taking care of the football, too. Only one uh, giveaway through three games. Yeah, I, I think the offense is doing their job. Um, we've got to do ours, which is get the ball back more. I mean, we've got to come up with stops. We've got to force punts just to get the ball back. But we've also got to come up with takeaways. And so, you know, the, the, this game with um, <clears throat> with uh, the, the the number of drives that we ended up playing, we got to get the ball back more uh, for our offense in order for us to to just stay on stay on pace with what we need to do to win games. First a career interception for Ben Bywater, by the way. Uh, how's he played to you? He had, he had a much, you could argue, a bit larger role with fewer guys available last year. He's one of four really good linebackers to play three spots and sometimes four. How do you think Ben's played early in the season? Yeah, we're, we're asking a lot of him right now. He's backing up both uh, Keenan and Peyton at both spots. And so it's, it's a lot to learn. And I think he's doing a fairly good job. Um, you know, he, he's, he's continuing to just get better and better and better. And when, uh, you know, when we're, we're losing all those guys, eventually uh, Keenan and, and Peyton, Ben's got to be the guy to be able to play it at wherever we need him, just like all the backers in the past that, we have, that we've had that do that. We saw Keenan leave the game. I don't remember if we saw him come back in. Did he go back in? He Saturday? did. He okay, did. Yeah. It looked like he, he took a knee, like maybe got his breath knocked out or something. Okay. And then he got up and walked out and then came back. Okay. You, you, you were down 38-7 in this game. And uh, Oregon pulls its starting quarterback, uh, Bo Nix, about 10 minutes into the third quarter. I, I don't know. Even though it was a big lead, I felt a little surprised that they made a switch. And I felt more surprised because of how things went the next couple possessions. They kind of lost their rhythm a little bit and allowed you to kind of get back in the game. Were you, are you just defending whoever's out there, or were you kind of surprised that they did that decision when they made it? Uh, we're, we're defending whoever was out there. And, um, you know, we, we call it a full-court press. Like, for us on defense, we understand – we may have to defend some short short yardages field uh, field position just because the offense needs to go for it a little bit more mm. in order for us to get into it and that and that's what we we expected. I mean, I w w when they put him in, you know, it didn't surprise me, but also didn't really matter. It's like okay, we're we're still in full court press mode. If we can get another score here, get the get the two point conversion, we're in we're in two you know two possessions and, and we have a shot. And then yeah. they ended up bringing him back in after we scored, even though we missed the the two pointer, but. Um, yeah, that, I mean, them bringing him in uh, didn't really matter to us. It was, it was more of we just needed to do what we needed to do, and you know, and, and I don't blame them. I mean, they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to win the Pac-12, and they want to save their quarterback. Okay. Uh, you've been at Autzen before with other teams. Uh, the Autzen environment, was it as you remembered it? Is it kind of consistent? And did you think your guys were, or could your guys possibly really re be ready for all of it uh, going into it for the first time? Yeah, I, I, I was in the box, and I'd, I'd never been on the box before. Um, but I know being on the field, I mean, it's a tough environment to play. Just like, just like our our place is tough to play. And so, um, you know, I, it, it's hard to ever prepare anybody for any kind of environment. But um, the bottom line is, their offense is on the field. Everything's quiet for us. We've got to communicate. We've got to do better. We've got to tackle better. We've got to do all those things. And so, 
um, I don't think it was as big of a factor for the defense as it was for the offense. Okay. And with Coach uh, Lamb, we had our special teams and offensive players of the week. We give you a chance to pick out a defensive player of the week every week. Uh, we're not going to see that feature in this week's show. You look back on the film, what kind of impressions were you left with there when you had to single somebody out? Yeah, you know, there, there, are, some, there are some good individual efforts. I mean, there's, there are certainly guys that played uh, good enough for us to win. Um, but uh, I think, I think uh, when you have a defensive performance that's like that, it's really tough to uh, – you don't want to be the guy that got player of the game for, for, for a defensive performance like that. And so didn't want to put that on a player, um, but also just didn't feel like there was anybody that, that played out of their minds. I mean, I thought, thought we, had some, we had some good, we had, some, we had a lot of bad, and we had some good, but we've got to, as a unit, get better. Okay, and we hope to have that defensive MVP back next week, of course, on this show. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll look ahead to BYU and Wyoming with Coach Tuiaki. But as we break, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, you can tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation from right here in Studio B, noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You're in the coordinator's corner. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. More with Coach E coming up right after this. Coordinator's Corner on BYU-TV is brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, Built Bar, Fuel the Journey, and by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We are wrapping up today's show with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. This weekend, it's a 19th and 23rd ranked BYU home to unranked Wyoming. Cougs on an eight-game win streak and nine-game home win streak over the Wyoming Cowboys and first meeting here in Provo since BYU left the Mountain West Conference. All right, uh, Coach E, you've uh, been into Wyoming video for a couple days now. Uh, some thoughts on the Cowboys offense that uh, – uh, scored 40 in a game, scored 33 against FCS, and then had a couple of lower scoring games, scored six in a loss to Illinois, and then came back to defeat Air Force 17 to 14 on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're an offense uh, with a head coach that knows what he's doing. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a head coach um, that, that's going to be totally comfortable with winning six to three. And so they, they, they know who they are. They know how to attack their opponents as far as just how to keep games close. And they play really good complimentary football, but they, they run the ball real well. Um, I think that they've got a, got a good old line. They've got good tight ends and their backs run really hard. And so, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a challenge for us. Just another physical game. We've got to see who's available on our, on our depth chart yeah. with the front and see where we're at. But we've got to tackle well. We've got to tackle a lot better than we did this last game in order for us to play well on defense. The tackling of games one and two has to return here in game four, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. And I, it's, always, it's always nice to play at home behind a crowd that's going to be real noisy. But, um, I mean, we, we've got to tackle better. We've got to come back to our fundamentals, and we've got to perform better. How about the reset after the first loss? It comes early in the season, still a lot of football left. Um, you know, you never want to lose at any point, but it comes pretty early. Do you hope this becomes a bit of a reset for your team and you kind of uh, get back in a little role here? Yeah, I, th I think it will be. Um, I mean, you always look at just silver linings of things. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's real tough to be undefeated, period, right? But uh, uh, right now, we've, we've lost the game. We still look at our goals and what we uh, can't accomplish with all the games left in front of us. And there's, there's still a lot to play for and still a lot of good football to play. And so um, it would be a great reset for us. 
You play back-to-back -back home games now out of the Mountain West Conference, Wyoming followed by Utah State. And we'll get to the Aggies when we get to the Aggies, but you know you've got a short week coming on the back end, a Thursday night game. Um, and those are always unique challenges. And it's unique, too, that you've got these two regional games happening right now with, uh, with former Mountain West Conference teams and, in Wyoming's case, a former rival. Like Ed said, not a lot of players on this year's team will think much about Wyoming as a rival. But back in the day, this was, this was a, an annual game that uh, really got emotions going. Yeah, for sure. It was always a tough game. Um, tough place to play. I'm glad we're not playing there. But just a tough opponent, and I think it's going to be a, a tough team, well-coached and hungry to come in here and play us. You're used to these late-night games. Uh, you're, I think BYU's on a 10-game win streak right now of night games. You've got the night game kind of figured. You've got the night routine kind of figured out. It seems. Uh, I don't. I don't know about that. It's uh, these night games are really tough uh, on our players and our and our coaching staff. Just turning things around, giving them Sundays off, and then restarting and coming back. And so. It, uh, it's, it, you know, we'll play whenever uh, people watch us, which, which uh, I think apparently is the reason why we're on uh, so late at night. But um, I think it's a good thing. If we continue to win at night, we'll play at night. All right. Good luck this, uh, this Saturday night against Wyoming, Coach. Thanks. Right, thank you. All right. That is Coach Elisa Tuiaki. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Coordinator's Corner. For Coaches Lamb and Tuiaki, my name is Greg Grubel. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week and go Cougs.